Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. Don't look now, but it's the first Sunday in November. Can you believe that? November. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like just a few short weeks ago we were starting 2023. And now we're closing in on the end of the year. In any event, our goal is to finish strong, spiritually strong, with a high level of hope and expectation in our God. Can you say amen to that? Are you behind that? Uh, That's what we want to do, as Pastor Tyler already said, we want to close out this year very strong as we seek the Lord together. So as we begin this morning, I want to share uh, just one verse of scripture found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Acts 9, 31 says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord, not living in fear, but rather in holy honor and reverence, and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it, the church, increased in numbers. One more time, a great uh, verse uh, that sums things up for that particular day. Then the church, the entire Christian church in the entire region, enjoyed a time of peace and strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, the church increased in numbers. Okay, just before I comment on this verse, what I'd like to do is remind you of a few very sobering and even tragic events that have taken place over the past several years. First, in March of 2020, so a little over three and a half years ago, the World Health Organization declared Uh, COVID-19 as a global pandemic. And for a while, the world went on lockdown. Businesses and stores and churches closed. And COVID claimed thousands and thousands of lives. Not long after that, in September of 2022, Hurricane Ian slammed into the Gulf Coast of Florida, completely decimating Fort Myers Beach, and leaving a wide path of destruction behind. In August of 2023, uncontrollable wildfires spread across the island of Maui, burning right around 200, pardon me, 2,000 homes and businesses to the ground and causing billions of dollars in damage. And then just about a month ago, on October the 7th, we all woke up to the headline, Israel is at war. And even though there was, has been plenty of violence and bloodshed in that region in the Middle East for years and years, still what happened in Israel on that day was both heartbreaking and shocking. And in response to each of these events that I just described to you, many, many people asked the same questions. They asked, are these biblical prophecy signs? Is this the end of the world or the beginning of the end? Is Jesus coming back? Is he coming back soon? 
And what usually follows this kind of thing is a, a sizable wave of fear and panic precipitated or triggered by countless number of doom and gloom prophets all peddling their own brand of hysteria and creating quite a bit of stir among the people. And please don't misunderstand me. As time goes on, the Bible predicts ongoing trouble. And make no mistake, evil and darkness is all around us. I mean, you can just about reach out and touch it. You can feel it. You can sense it. Additionally, most of the New Testament writers, including Jesus himself, provided us with end time warnings and admonitions. However, in Luke chapter 21 and verse 28, Jesus said, who said? Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, or when you start to see and experience all this trouble, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That's what Jesus said to us. That's the instruction that he gave to us. In other words, for the church, for you and me, signs of the end time should not promote fear and panic. What can be interpreted as an increase in trouble shouldn't cause us to freak out and look for a place to hide. On the contrary, Jesus encouraged us to stand up and to be strong. He gave us a word of strength and encouragement. Why? Because we have confidence and faith in the redeeming qualities of our God. And the hand of God's blessing, his protection, and his provision is a heavy and weighty part of our redemption. And so check this out. Even with all the evil and darkness on the horizon, with the prospect of ongoing adversity and trouble, just like the first century church, we can be strengthened in the faith right now, today. I'm going to say that again because you didn't act like you believed me. Even with all the trouble going on, we can be strengthened in the faith. We can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Even today with the ominous threat of war that surrounds us, we the church can walk in the peace of God. We can live in holy reverence. We can be encouraged and comforted by the Holy Spirit. And we can experience increase and favor in every dimension of our lives. That can happen for us. And you might be thinking, well, how can you say that? How can you be so sure? Acts 9.31. It happened for the early church. It can happen for us. We don't have to shelter in place or sit on the sidelines with our fingers crossed, hoping and praying the storm is going to pass by. We can live with joy and anticipation of God, of what God wants to do in our lives today. And how can I say that? Because of Acts 9.31, it happened for the early church, it can happen for us today. And to get us moving in the right direction, to help us with this line of thinking and mindset, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, I, I, I need you to know this, the thief, the enemy of your soul, Satan himself, the devil, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his methodology. That's what he does, and he's good at it. 
He loves to bring destruction. But, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And he didn't put a period there. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. It's not about survival. He wants us to live an abundant life. In fact, that's exactly uh, the words that the King James Version uses. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so that's what we're going after this month, the month of November, as we bring or, or uh, start to bring this year to a close. We are in pursuit of spiritual strength, peace, joy, encouragement, and confidence in our God. Who's behind me on that? And friends, if we wait for these attributes to find us or to seek us out, we're going to be waiting a long time. And we're going to be delayed. Chances are you might even struggle to keep your head above water. And I'll be honest, with full transparency, it has not been an easy year. It has been a hard 10 months. And not just for me. But for many of the people that I know and love and do life with, there has been tragedy, devastation, death, and loss, and a lot of it. And as a result, many people are struggling with depression and discouragement. And so let me say it again, joy, peace, and abundant living is not going to fall in our laps. Not today. We're going to have to go after it and be proactive. By the grace of God, we're going to have to make it happen. But just so you know, God doesn't want us living down in the dumps, even though it's a scary world right now. He's called us to a much higher place. He does not want us to live discouraged and depressed. And yes, there is a time to mourn and there is a time to grieve, and I've been doing a lot of that lately. There's a time to fast and there's a time to pray. But don't forget about the passage of Scripture in Nehemiah 8.10 and many other verses just like it that remind us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is a gift from God. It's one of the nine characteristics or fruit of the Holy Spirit. A, a characteristic that God gives to us as we're made into his image and likeness. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. One more time. Be joyful, full of joy, in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And here's the beauty of this one verse. We can experience all three at the same time. They are not independent of each other. And by the grace of God, which is sufficient for us in all things, we can be spiritually strengthened, find power in prayer, and maintain a full and complete life, even in the face of hardship and in pain. The word of God promises us that God will be with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He takes us by the hand. He walks us through the valleys. He loves to bring us to the mountaintop from time to time, but he's also with us regardless of what we're going through. Amen. Now, I know you've been hearing a lot about the war in Israel. 
It has been on the news 24-7 for about a month now, and I'm certain that you've heard many different opinions. Uh, But I feel the need to just talk a little bit about it this morning. As I mentioned a few moments ago, whenever there is a new war or a new conflict taking place in the Middle East, immediately our minds go somewhere. We go to the end times or to the end of the world. We start thinking about that. Whenever our attention is drawn to the Middle East, we start talking about the end. And one of the main reasons why we do that, one of the main reasons why everybody starts talking about end times is because of Ezekiel 38 and 39. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Bible talks about a pretty significant war. It's the Battle of Gog and Magog. And I don't know if you're familiar with it. You can spend some time, maybe even this week, reading about it. Don't do it right now. But it talks about the war or the Battle of Gog and Magog. It's what I'm going to refer to as the Ezekiel War. Now, it's the Ezekiel War, what's spelled out by the prophet in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that will eventually usher in the seven-year tribulation period and the second coming of Jesus. So you see why we're interested in it? It has a lot to do with what we're looking forward to and the blessed hope that we have of the coming of Jesus. So let's take a look at a couple of verses. I'm not going to read all of it. Again, you can spend some time this week and uh, look at it in detail. Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, a reference to the prince or the leader of Russia, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day, when my people Israel are living in safety... Will you not take notice of it? You will come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army, and you will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. And in days to come, or in the latter days, the last days, Gog, I will bring you against my land. Whose land? I will bring, God said, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me. And, and just a, a note here that whenever God does anything is for one reason, so that the nations of the world will know that he is Jehovah God. And he said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you against my land, against the people of Israel, so that the nations may know me when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Okay, again here in Ezekiel Ezekiel 38 and 39, we have this prophecy of war. This war involves, as we just read, Israel and several other nations. Now those who study prophecy and are expert in the area of, of, of the prophetic, they give modern names to the nations talked about in Ezekiel. Uh, Some of these names are Russia, Iran, Turkey, and a few other Islamic states of the Upper Nile. And prophetically, what's to happen are these nations will come together, they'll form an alliance or a coalition, and they will fight against Israel. All of these nations coming together, fighting against Israel to destroy Israel. So, what's taking place right now in Israel is not, I'm going to repeat that, it's not the Ezekiel War. 
It's not the war that we just read about in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that a lot of people are pointing to. And the reason why I can say that so confidently is because in the verses we just read, the scripture tells us the prophetic word is that nations will come together and fight against Israel. Israel's not fighting any nations right now. They're not in combat with any nations of the world. They're fighting a terrorist organization called Hamas. Hamas is not a nation. Hamas is an acronym for a militant Islamic resistance movement, a.k.a. terrorists. As you well know by now, on Saturday, October the 7th, Hamas, they orchestrated a surprise military attack against Israel. First, they fired some rockets into Israeli territory. They busted through the fence border. They opened fire on innocent, unarmed civilians, killing many of them. And they proceeded to shock the world with behavior that can only be described as pure evil. By now you've heard, you've saw the images, you've seen what they did, they, what they did to infants and children and, and women and the elderly. I don't have human words to describe the atrocities committed by Hamas. But having a chance to pray about it and to think about all that's happened over the last couple of weeks, I personally believe that Hamas carried out unspeakable cruelty toward Israel because they wanted them and were hoping that they would retaliate. They knew they would retaliate. I mean, who wouldn't? And with an enraged retaliation or response on the part of Israel, many innocent Palestinians would be caught in the middle and killed as well. But Hamas knew that. That was part of their plan. You see, Hamas wants the world to become sympathetic toward the Palestinian cause and to think that Israel is a monster and the aggressor. Hamas wants to win the social media and the cable news war. Their goal is to increase anti-Semitism around the world, all the while gaining Palestinian support. And that's precisely what's happening. Throughout the United States, there have been many anti-war rallies and protests. And we see many people, particularly the younger generations, siding with the Palestinians because they believe the Palestinians are the victims. And let me please say that anyone who fights injustice in the world or champions injustice is going to get my vote. When it comes to racism and slavery and sex trafficking and hunger and poverty and bullying, there is a cause. It's time for us to end these things in our world. But please hear me say, when you say you're standing for Israel, that doesn't mean that you're against the Palestinians. I'm going to say that again. When you say that you're standing or supporting Israel, that does not mean that you're against the Palestinians. It simply means that you believe Israel has a right to exist and a right to defend its borders. That's what you do. The truth is, Hamas does not care about the Palestinians. They care about anybody but themselves. 
They're not interested in raising the quality of life in the Gaza Strip. Their only motivation is the annihilation of Jewish people. I mean, wipe them off the face of the earth. And this isn't my opinion or anybody else's. This is not a big secret. It's in their charter. It's what they say they stand for. Hamas hates the Jews. You know where that comes from. Listen to this quote from Israel's fourth prime minister, Golda Meir. Here's what she said. We can forgive the Arabs for killing our children. We, we can forgive the Arabs for killing our children. We cannot forgive them for forcing us to kill theirs. We will only have peace when the Arabs love their children more than they hate us. What a quote. And that's the bottom line. Hate. Pure evil and hate. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Chris mentioned to us that you can trace this hate and human hostility all the way back to the book of Genesis. Now, Israel has not been perfect, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I can tell you they did not want this war with Hamas. In fact, 18 years ago in 2005, for the sake of peace, Israel gave up the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians. Contrary to what you may think or what's being reported, Israel doesn't even occupy Gaza. The Palestinians do. But located in very dense and highly populated residential regions in Gaza is a very elaborate and massive underground tunnel system. That's where Hamas hangs out. That's where they hide and do all of their terrorist work. It's in those tunnels. And so, in essence, Hamas is using innocent Palestinian civilians as human shields. And they're actually being protected by Palestinian blood. That should tell you something about Hamas. Now, earlier I said the war in Israel is not the Ezekiel War. Let me add one more thing. Not yet. And what do I mean by that? I mean that what's happening in Israel right now could escalate and certainly lead to Ezekiel War. Here are a couple signs to look for. And again, not signs to freak you out, but just to stay informed. Number one, if some of the surrounding nations began to join in with Hamas and fight against Israel, that could definitely lead to more trouble and more problems in the Middle East. Secondly, if the United States were to pull out and stop defending Israel, to me that's a sign. Because Ezekiel tells us at this point, uh, when the war uh, is won by God's help, that everyone had abandoned Israel and they were fighting for themselves and the only one they had on their side was God. Right now you see U.S. Uh, warships in the Mediterranean. America has pledged to defend and support Israel. That's happening right now. But if they were to pull out and Israel were to find themselves alone, to me that's a sign. And so again, things for us not to worry about but to pray about. This is the reason why we've been called to prayer. And I believe in the promises of God. The Bible says they're all yes and amen. And one of God's promises is to protect us. He is our place of refuge. Psalm 91 tells us he's our place of protection and our shield. He will help us in the time of trouble. 
In fact, in John chapter 17 and verse 15, when Jesus was engaged in intimate, powerful prayer for his disciples and for us, he said, my prayer is not, God, that you take them out of the world or out of trouble, that what you protect them from the evil one. That's the prayer that we can stand upon. That's the promise that we can stand upon, is that God will protect us. Okay, in just a couple of moments, we're going to spend a, a few minutes in prayer, and then we're going to sing one final song. But before we do, I want to remind you that over the last couple of weeks, we've uh, announced Give Back Sunday. That's going to be next Sunday, November the 12th. And with our Give Back Sunday initiative, what we're hoping to do is raise the $100,000 that we need to finance our mission and our outreach budget. Now, all of the money that we use, you've heard me say this a bunch of times, all the money that we raise on Give Back will go to help desperate, desperate people. We don't take any of that money for the church. There's no administrative uh, percentage. It all goes to help the people who are in need. And over the past 30 years, Community Christian Church has always been first in line to respond to hardship and trouble. And what's happening in Israel right now is no exception. We're in the process right now of sending a relief and support to Israel through one of our ministry partners. His name is Sujo John. He's going to be here with us next Sunday. And because of his connections in Israel, I know that any amount of money that we send to Israel will go to the appropriate places. Currently, we have about 20 home and foreign mission uh, projects that we are involved in and partners that we support on a regular or a monthly basis. We are in eight different nations of the world preaching the good news of the gospel, beginning with right here in the United States, reaching out to single parents, widows and orphans, our vets, the homeless, the incarcerated, the abused, and those with mental illness. We're also fighting extreme poverty, hunger, waterborne disease, sickness, slavery, and sex trafficking in Cambodia, Thailand, Haiti, South Africa, Uganda, India, and Romania. My dear friends, the Lord is using Community Christian Church to literally change the world. That's a true statement. Last year, we invested over $20,000 in Cambodia alone. We punched eight holes into the earth and we drilled eight life-saving water wells. And not only do those water wells provide fresh drinking water for the villages and the people living there, uh, which fights against the, all of the disease and the sickness, but believe it or not, it, it stops the spread of slavery and human sex trafficking just by drilling a water well. We, we drilled eight of those last year in Cambodia. If the Lord has blessed you financially this year, you've heard me say this throughout the year, I know it's been a tough year financially, but if the Lord has blessed you and you want to show your appreciation for his provision, then I'm going to ask you once again to prayerfully consider making a generous donation at the end of this year to help us with these projects. As we've done in the past several years, I'm going to ask that you would take this matter before the Lord and ask him to lead you in the amount of your gift. Uh, just in the way of a little instruction, we're going to hold this offering next Sunday during the service. We'll, we'll receive it as a second offer. It's the only time during the year that we have two offerings the same day. 
We're going to ask you to please bring your gift with you. If you're not going to be in attendance next week, you can always access our online giving through our website. And of course, you can always write a check and um, mail the check to the church office anytime between now and the end of the year. And again, if you've already given to missions, and many of you have, in fact, this past week, a check came in for $10,000 for our Give Back Sunday. And so you can always mail a check in and then um, thank you so much for your faithful giving. We're going to spend just a couple of moments here at the end of this service praying for Israel, praying for the Palestinians, praying for this conflict in the Middle East. We don't want it to get out of control. You know, I've been telling a few people it's going to escalate at some point. I hope it's not in our lifetime, but you know, if we want the second coming of Jesus, and some of you have been saying that, Lord Jesus, come quickly. If that's what you want, if that's what you've been praying, the scripture's clear, some things have to happen uh, and dominoes have to fall in place. So at some point, there's going to be escalation in the Middle East. I'm praying it's not going to happen today or right now. So we have to keep praying for uh, Israel. The, the Bible's asked us to do that. Pray for the Palestinians. Pray, let's pray for the conflict uh, that we're all watching unfold before our very eyes.